0: Today's guest is resilience expert Amberly Lago. You guys, when I tell you she is the real deal, she has been through the stuff. She has come out the other side. I mean, I really mean it. This woman at age 38 was hit by an SUV while riding her motorcycle in Los Angeles, and it completely, you know, demolished her leg. And she had to have 34 surgeries to save it from amputation. And then after that, after being bedridden, She was diagnosed with an incurable disease dubbed the suicide disease. You guys, she lost her business. She lost all of her self-confidence. She was a, a fitness professional sponsored by Nike. So to go from being incredibly fit to being totally bedridden, and then to be able to reach for hope and find your way through it and get to the other side is incredibly inspiring. And I don't know about you, but I think we definitely need some inspiration. No matter what's going on in your life, what's gone on the last few months, which have been hard, we can get through it. And I thought Amberly was the perfect person to share her wisdom on just how to do that. Amberly, it's so wonderful to have you on the show today. I know that you're incredibly busy. So thank you for making the time to share some of your wisdom with our listeners. Um, I would love to hit on something that we were talking about when we were chatting a little bit before the show started, which is right now it can feel very heavy. Out there in the world, no matter what your politics are, no matter what your family makeup is, there's just a lot going on. It feels like there, I feel like there's little explosions going off, you know, every couple days, every week, and it's compounding. And I think that it can have some people fall into a mindset of overwhelm and really almost a paralyzation of it could be fear or it could just be hopelessness. And throughout your journey, so many times in your life, you've been in a position where you could have just tapped out but you did dig deep to find that resilience. And so I was wondering if you had any thoughts about kind of what's going on right now and if there's any insights to offer to the listeners about how to tap into that that true grit and grace that lives within everybody.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I love your show. And I always it's always just such a blessing when I get to talk with you. So thank you. And yeah, it does feel kind of heavy right now. There's a lot of uncertainty. We've been through so much in every kind of situation in the last couple of years. And I think it's really important that, you know, we work on our resilience before we need it. And we work on that resilience muscle before things don't go as planned. So when we hit a wall or we fall flat on our face or we lose our job or there's a divorce or you're diagnosed with some disease like I was that's, you know, they're like, oh, you're in, you've got an incurable disease and your life will never be the same. Instead of getting stuck, stalled out or like, oh my gosh, my life's over. You can think of, okay, well, h- here's the thing when i was in my worst moment you know i was in a place where i had i was hospital in hospital, got out of the hospital, and I was stuck in a hospital bed in the middle of my living room because I couldn't go up and down the stairs. Completely bed bound, I went from being this, you know, elite athlete with a successful fitness company sponsored by Nike to now I have bed sores, my hair's falling out, I'd lost twenty pounds of muscle, lost my job, lost my confidence. We had two point nine million dollars worth of medical expenses, and I remember a friend of mine who I used to train with. She came over. And I think I was kind of like in denial of how bad it really was. Mm -hmm. And I kept having doctors tell me, oh, you're going to need to be be on antidepressants. Like every doctor, not just the orthopedic doctor, but the pulmonary doctor, my gynecologist, every doctor I had was like, you need to be medicated. Like basically your life. Sucks, you're screwed, you know? And I remember saying, well, if I can just work out, if I can just, you know, start to work out, I'm going to feel better. And they thought I was crazy. But instead of getting caught on that, I was thinking of all the things that I could do. And um, I had, what I was saying is I had a friend come over though. She was a trainer and she sat down beside me and she looked at me. She goes, well, you can't train clients anymore. What are you going to do? And I just burst into tears and it hit me like, well, what do you mean I can't train clients? Like there's got to be a way that I can still do what I love. And so I think that resilience is, I was, is not about bouncing back because I tried that. I was trying so hard to get back to where I was, to get back to training clients the way that I was and and fix what was broken. And I think a lot of people listening right now, you might be listening and go, well, I can't wait till things get back to the way they used to be. It's never going to go back to the way it used to be. Things may never be the same. And so you have to think about all the things that you can maybe do, all the possibilities that might be right in front of you. If you just think a little bit differently. So instead of training clients, I really sat in a pity party for a while and I was like, well, what am I going to do? You know, how am I going to get through this? Uh, How am I going to get through this pain um, physically, emotionally? I, I was like having this pity party spiraling down into a depression. And then right. I heard this little voice come from upstairs and it was my daughter who was two years old at the time. And all she said was mama. And I heard her voice uh. and I thought, I've been asking the wrong questions. I need to be asking, why am I going to get through this? And when you ask why, It really activates the human spirit. It activates this energy inside you. And it allows you to think of all the reasons why you are going to get through this situation. And that's all I needed to hear was go, okay, I might be in so much pain. I didn't know how I was going to get through this, but I am going to get through it. I'm going to do what I can. And so I had a, a pullet bar installed over my bed so I could keep my upper body strong. I had a friend of mine, his name's Danny. He took some gym weights from the gym. I hope we return those weights back to the gym, but he just brought them home from the gym we used to, where we used to work together. And I had dumbbells on the little hospital table beside me. And I really focused on what I could do And gratitude really helped me with that. And I think that gratitude is alchemy. When I was really stuck, I was I would think about, you know, instead of staring down at my leg that was stapled up and scarred up and Mm. and still open wounds and giving me so much pain and thinking, oh, is tomorrow the day they're gonna actually amputate it? I would think of, well, I'm alive. I have breath. My daughters love me. I have family. And then I would think of small things that I could do that day. And, and really, Elizabeth, it was the smallest goals in the beginning that I would set for myself. If I would have thought when I was stuck in that hospital bed... And things were so bad if I would have thought, I got to get back to running a marathon. I got to get back to training 12 clients a day. I'd probably still be in that hospital bed, you know, or or worse, I wouldn't even be here. What I thought about was, okay, my first goal is I want to be able to use the bathroom on my own. And I know that sounds crazy, but it is humbling, humiliating to have to use a bedpan. And I would have to call somebody over to go empty my bedpan. So one of my first goals was I had to be able to stand up long enough. And at first I couldn't even stand up. It was so painful. So I would literally count one second at a time. And each day I would focus on, okay, today I'm going to stand up for five seconds. Today I'm going to stand up for 10 seconds. And i would get back in the hospital bed and tears would be running down my face. and. I knew I had to be able to stand up for a certain amount of time to get from the bed around the corner to the bathroom. And when I did it, I celebrated. And I think that is something that we forget, you know, especially as moms or entrepreneurs, or if you're running your own business or trying to start a business, we we forget to celebrate these small victories along the way. And I think it's really important, even when you go to bed every night, to think of one thing that you did great during the day, that you accomplished. And it might be something as small as like it was for me, of standing up again. But it might be something as big as you booked another client,
0: or you booked a speaking gig, or... Or you just got through it. Yes. Maybe you didn't lose your shit on your kids, you know? (laughs) I mean, it can be very low level. Maybe it's that you're laying on clean sheets. Like, it can be very... To your point, it can be very... Small, but I, I think especially before you go to bed because it puts you in that good headspace that your unconscious mind and your subconscious is going to then ruminate on as you sleep. So, I was going to ask you there are definitely, you know, yours is an extreme, right? As far as like there was a very physical reminder of how far you had to go. And then that obviously is going to compound and impact your mental focus and your ability to feel hopeful. Sometimes right now, I feel like I'm driving around and we might get a piece of bad news. Maybe somebody we love, you know, got COVID or something like that. Maybe we're dealing with it kids are back home and everybody's just driving around like some people with a smile on their face. And some days I'm right there. I'm the grinning idiot. Like, everything's great. I'm out walking to Starbucks. But then some days it just feels like, are we really, everybody's just functioning right now? Like we're all just, we're all just functioning. And are some people carrying more than others? And it doesn't seem as visible, you know? So it, it feels like sometimes the hardship right now, is more emo like it's emotional exhaustion when we hear about shootings. And you're a mom as well. Like that took me out for at least a week. I mean, it was really hard to even coach my clients that week because it, you know there's fear, right? And I think it just is a reminder that we don't have control over anything anywhere, no matter what we do. And so, for those people who might not have such a cut and dry, you know, visible reminder of hardship. Do you think that it's still a good idea? I mean, it's always a good idea to count your blessings, but is there something else? Like, did you have a great support network? Were there certain people that were there to kind of provide that support when you couldn't mentally get there?
1: Yeah. And at first, I mean, that's such a good question because at first I didn't, I started to shut people out. So I did not want Mm. people to know that something was wrong with me that I was in pain that I was been had been diagnosed with this nerve disease I did not and and it all really went down to I felt like a burden as a child and I thought why am I feeling like this and it was like oh I felt like a burden as a child I don't want to feel like a burden I don't want to ask for help and I started you know my world was very big I had a huge clientele, a lot of friends, and it slowly started to get smaller and smaller and smaller, which led me into isolation, which led me into addiction. And I started drinking every day to cope with the pain. And, you know, I've, I got sober in 2016. And I want to say that, you know, we all go through hardships. We all have good and bad days. I mean, it's, I, I, I still have days where I struggle most of the time. you know, I am in pain every day. I have just found ways that help me to thrive instead of just survive. And first thing is to be in total acceptance of where you are on your journey. And I would say second thing is to let go of what you can't control. I mean, when you are focusing on things that are completely out of your control, it's like, I, I guess what helped me with that is I had I didn't have as much energy. Being in constant chronic pain is it can be very draining. And I had totally. to choose very carefully what I would put my focus on, what I would use my energy on, and that included things that I would think about and people that I would allow in my life. And i I think one of the scariest things that I ever did, was to ask for help. It was so hard for me to ask for help. Now it's not. Now I'm just like, you should see me. I'm like, can you help me with this? Can you help me with this? Because I realized that we aren't meant to to do hard things alone. We're not, we're not really meant to do anything alone. And so when you have a group of people that are like minded, especially some people that have gone through suffering, similarities, something very similar you know i was just talking to a lady yesterday who is going to be a part of my mastermind and we instantly connected because her husband had committed suicide and my stepmother committed suicide so we understood that sort of suffering on some sort you know on a on a different level and so i think that the if you can get anything from what I'm saying today is if you're listening, just know, don't do it alone. If you're, if you're struggling, ask for help. And that change that saved my life. Cause I was in a place before I got sober and I, look, I was never a drinker. I was always career focused, Well you're a fitness expert. <laughs> I mean I I was just never that and, and I thought how did a girl good girl like me end up like this like I had so much shame how did somebody that was in the fitness industry end up drinking every day and it was a slippery slope and I will say that addiction doesn't discriminate it can it doesn't matter wh- who you are what you look like what you do you know male female rich poor young old yeah. it doesn't discriminate and What it's taught me is I don't want to do anything alone. And I couldn't stay sober if I didn't have a community of sober sisters for support. I just got off of a recovery meeting right before I jumped on here. I still go to meetings. That's amazing. I would not enjoy being an entrepreneur as much if I didn't have a mastermind of successful women that I get to do and share this experience with. I think yeah. that no matter if you're a mom and you're, you know, you know, stay-at-home mom, get yourself around some other moms that are stay-at-home's moms so you can share what you're doing, what works, what helps. If you're a female entrepreneur, go seek counsel not opinion. Mm. That was a huge mistake that I made. I was telling people of this big vision that I had and these big ideas. And I was telling people that had never done those things. Like when I wanted to write a book, I remember telling some family members and friends, hey, I really want to write a book. And they're like, you're crazy. You don't even own a computer. You didn't go to college. You're that fitness girl. Stick to that. They didn't understand it. When I went to somebody who had published 75 books, they're like, that's a great idea. You could do that. Other people need hope. They need to hear your story. This is what you need to do. And so I can't say it enough to surround yourself with people who are the puppy uppers, not the doggy downers. Like I am so aware of the people around me that have good energy. And that's why when I got to see you, I was like, oh, I've been looking forward to seeing you. I love being around you. I love getting to talk to you. Y'all, she's the real deal. I know you know that. You're very
0: sweet. I think too, when you are in a place of trying to be kind of a hopeful beacon, it can be hard then to acknowledge when you yourself need help yes. and so i'm so glad that you said that because i have definitely been in those moments and my sweet husband is like you need to talk to somebody and i'm like no i'm good i don't think talk therapy works you know i'm just going to i'm just going to exercise you know and some friends were like oh i got on an antidepressant how are you not on that because of covid and i'm like well, I just, you know, I don't think that would work for me and I'll just exercise more and I'll meditate more. And Amberly, I got to a point where it was like, okay, I'm meditating. I'm journaling. I don't drink, you know, so I'm not drinking. I was drinking too much during COVID. It was like, it was my nightly, you know, little five ounce glass of wine, but it was every night. And I was like, this can't be good, you know? And then it was like, well, I'll start first with maybe I'll make a super weak, weak, you know, bourbon and Coke, super weak. And then after the kids go to bed, I'll pour a glass of wine. And it was like, and unfortunately at the time, that mommy wine culture, right? Like, so if you are stay at home and you're going to meet other, make sure that they're not like going to the play dates with sippy cups of wine. I mean, I think we really need to like ring the alarm on that. It's it's not a judgment, but alcohol is a depressant. And so, you know, especially like if you feel like you're already kind of in a hole, alcohol will not help. It will drill you further down. I wanted to die that's where it led me. Yeah. it's And I feel like we just don't talk about it because big alcohol is out there. I feel like it's everywhere. I was taking the girls to camp the other day and my little Vivi, who's seven years old, she goes, mommy, look at that pretty rainbow. I want to drink that. And it was a Truly truck.
1: Oh, those are everywhere.
0: They're everywhere. And I was like, geez, like I know that they're not, you know, marketing to children, but my kid at seven year old sh- shouldn't know what truly is.
1: Can I tell you a funny story about truly? <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> so, I was, I think I was probably newly sober. I mean, I may have had a year of sobriety or something like that when this happened, but I was at the lake with my cousins and my cousin, who is like a health nut, like my whole family was drinking, which I don't have a problem with. I just cho- chose not to. And, but my cousin was drinking she, I didn't know what she was drinking and it looked like a seltz like a pretty seltzer water or something like a water it looked like a can of sparkling water but I think I I kind of thought because she's a health nut that she I didn't think she was drinking and I said oh what's that that looks good it was truly and she goes oh it's really good it's a, a it's a lime lemon and lime water do you want one I said sure I took one sip And I could tell there was alcohol and I spit it across the table. Good for you. I was like, I'm not running my sobriety over this. Like,
0: Hell no. But I
1: didn't know what that was. And they looked at me like I was crazy. And I was like, oh, I can't have that. That's got alcohol. And that's just what I choose. Like I... Right. Don't want I, I and, and you know what? It's hard. It is so hard sometimes to feel your feelings. And just yesterday, I had a long day. I'm not gonna lie, I was I was stressed. I um had all these edits for a new landing page, this event that I'm putting on that is it's so exciting but kind of scary. Clients, a new podcast episode, like all these things. Plus, when I leave my office. My sweet little daughter is like waiting for me outside the office wanting me to play horse with her. And she wants me to like lasso her when she pretends to be a horse. So I'm doing all these things. And last night, you know, I made dinner and then I was like, oh, I just love to like have an escape like from my mind. And it's like, yeah, no, I need to feel these feelings. Know that this too shall pass. Take a breath, take a break, go outside, be in nature, and I'll tell you the only thing that really gets me through every day is I am very disciplined um, about what I do. And and I love that you meditate and exercise, but if I didn't move my body, if I didn't pray, if I didn't read out of my, you know, spiritual books, if I didn't check in with somebody and go see how I can be of service to them, check in with my sponsor, like check in with people. If I didn't do that every day, and at night when I get in the bed, have a gratitude practice, and in the morning I write out ten right. things I'm grateful for, and I share it with a, my, a group of friends, we call ourselves the God Squad, and we share our gratitude list every day. Some people might think, "Well, that's a lot of work. I don't have time for that." Well, I don't have time for misery and to be depressed, right? And if def- I don't. Ever, ever, ever want to feel the way that I felt before, where I was contemplating, like, you know, my kids could find another mom, my husband could find another wife, like, I don't, they deserve better. I just need to end it all. Like, that's those were my thoughts. And I want to tell people that you don't have to feel that way, that we can have pain and joy, and we can build upon the joy throughout the day instead of focusing on the pain. It's okay to because it's acknowledge cumulative. it, but we don't have to yeah. live there. We can focus on what sparks joy in our life.
0: Yeah. Because it's cumulative either way, right? So like doing all those little things, people could say, oh God, that sounds like a lot of work. But you, I mean, it builds. And then to your point of like building resilience before stuff happens, you know, before the tragedy happens, that is going to be your safety net. But it's also cumulative if you go the other way, right? If you wake up, and then immediately, maybe you're checking your phone, and there's an email that kind of like takes your vibration down for a few hours, because you're ruminating on it. And you're like, how do I fix that? Or woe is me, that will build throughout the day as well. So it's really like having a decision on what do you want to build that day.
1: And I think that when you have a like a habit that's not healthy or a bad habit. Like if, if you, let's say you decide that you're going to skip your workout, well, then you're like, well, I didn't work out. I may as well eat that pizza or totally, you know what I mean? It They just start to kind of compound on each other. Um, and so I get back to basics. I mean, and this is going to yeah. sound so simple and so basic, but I really have to, I've put rest as part of my business strategy. And I look at how much sleep I'm getting, my deep sleep, my REM sleep. I make sure I'm getting enough sleep. I don't get too hungry, too tired, too lonely. Because when I do, those thoughts of, oh man, maybe a drink would be good or,
0: oh, totally, all the bad habits can creep up they really can. And I think some people can say too, well, you know, you talk about that moment that your daughter was at the top of the steps as being, you know, a watershed moment for you and the decision, you know, that you had to figure it out for her. But I think even people who don't have children, right? They could say, "Well, I don't have a child to live for or I don't have this to think about to like be my point of focus to pull me through to the other side." Do you have any tips for people that that don't have children or, you know, chose not to or for some reason are kind of on their own because a lot of, a few of my friends and some of my clients are single and they're living by themselves. And especially, you know, the last couple of years that you talk about the isolation. Mm -hmm. So do you have any advice for people who might feel a little bit more isolated, maybe than people who have immediate family in their home?
1: Yeah, that's such a great question. Well, I think that, you know, first of all, when I was like, oh gosh, you know, I tried training clients again and it wasn't until I was bleeding out across the gym floor, like my stitches had come open after one of my surgeries. And um, my husband happened to be at the gym that day and he was like, uh, what are you doing? You got to stop this. This is crazy. That I had to like really figure out, okay, how can I still do what I love without literally killing myself myself? So the first thing I did was I started thinking about well what brings me joy what is something that I love doing and a lot of times that's connected to something very similar that you did when you were a kid and you know for me I love I love people I love making people happy I love being able to see the best in people even when they don't see it yet and I can show them and show them how to build upon that and that's something that I've done ever since I was a little girl. And so that's when I got into more of the coaching instead of the training that I did yeah. for 26 years. But I would suggest that really to, to start reaching out and getting involved in community and seeing how you can be of service and add value in some other place. Like, you know, I lived in Los Angeles for 31 years and we just moved to Texas like five months ago maybe, gosh, it's been six months, I think.
0: Oh my gosh. Has it been that recent? I didn't know that, Amberly. Okay. Wow. And I knew
1: before I moved here, I don't want to ever be isolated because to me, when I start to isolate, that's when addiction can creep in. That's when Mm -hmm. bad habits can creep in. I think it's really important to hold yourself accountable. And so before I moved here, I had set up, communities and groups before I even came. And so I had three different barns for my daughter's a horseback rider. So I knew she needed to be, I knew for her to feel good, she needed to be around other girls that were horse crazy girls like her, that she could be at the barn, she could find her community. So the moving truck was coming in with the furniture, and I'm like, see ya, honey. I got to take her to the barn. He's like, I don't know where all the furniture goes. And I'm like, but I got to make <laughs> sure she's okay.
0: We'll figure Facetime me. It goes in the house. As long as it's in the house, we'll figure it out. Figure it out. But yeah. I found a barn for her.
1: I had a church to go to. It's this church for entrepreneurs and it's all about faith and finance and family and fitness. And so I was like, that's a good fit. So I had a church to go to. I already had my online meetings set up that I was like, well, I'm not going to stop my meetings just because I moved to a different state. I so I think it's really important when you're when you're by yourself and you you can easily start to just think about yourself. But yeah. when you focus on reaching out to somebody and seeing how you can add value and you know you might be sitting here going well I don't go to church I don't like church my daughter doesn't ride horses well go be a part of a some sort of nonprofit or some totally. sort Totally of you
0: can volunteer volunteer There's ho- yes there's hospice people who need you you're going to be a part of a movement
1: you're going to develop relationships And so, you know, I've never, I was growing up, I went to church being in the Bible belt of Texas, but I I wasn't like this big church goer in LA, but I knew moving here, I was like, I need to find community and that's a place where I'll be able to find it. And so I think, yes, go be of service, go volunteer, do something to get out of your self pity and your problems and go think about somebody else.
0: I'm so glad that you brought that up to the church topic, because my listeners know that I'm super spiritual. I'm not, you know, I don't identify specifically with one organized religion. And I think sometimes it can get a a bad rap, right? Like, I was uh, listening, the audible of we were talking about Ed Milette, and I was listening to his audible, and he has some Bible verses in there. And My initial reaction was like, "Ugh, I don't want to hear Bible verses, but they were on point. They were very relevant. And I think we just have to be open. So maybe you haven't gone to church, but I mean, I used to go to church, you know, it was more like an obligation that my parents brought me to. But now as I'm older, I'm like, well, that just seems like it could be incredibly supportive. So I feel like even if you aren't quote unquote, a church person, or you aren't, you know, you don't um, feel like some groups would align with you. We're all growing and evolving, and I think it's great to try it. I mean, there's really no harm. I don't see a lot of downside in just staying open because we can call it God or whatever, but it's all this wonderful spiritual universal energy that I think really is trying to help us. You know, I think when we manifest into something else, we're probably going to see something, whether it's this non-physical part of yourself or God or what have you, and they're going to say i really tried i sent you all these signs i put these people in your path in your life and i wish you just would have you know embraced it or been open to it i think that could be a potential regret
1: oh and you know for sure and 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 for me it that is really what pulled me through not church but God, because I had to believe in something bigger than myself that I could just go, okay, I'm not in control. I, I need help. Let me just trust and have faith that if I do the work and I'm a good person and I follow through that things will work out exactly as they should. And one of the things I really loved about, you know, I grew up with a, like a God fearing, like, Oh, the devil made you do that. Oh, you're going to go to hell or oh, all like a wh- I don't like that. I don't, you know? And so one of the things that I loved when I got in recovery and started doing a 12 step is they said, a God of your understanding. So, my God can look like anything I want my God to look like. That's so freeing when I think of a God of my understanding. And I think it's important to go to a church where you feel like you relate, you know. And my church is very much about entrepreneurship and non judgmental. And I leave there feeling like I've been to a faith
0: filled personal development conference. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's free. This is the other thing, guys. This isn't like signing up for some big expensive something. If you're not ready to get a mastermind group for whatever excuses your brain, your survival brain is giving you. We had another little chat too about, you know, it can feel like it can feel irresponsible to spend money on mm-hmm. yourself, investing in yourself. But usually that is a hundred percent the reason why you need it. <laughs> you yeah. Know, if you are have a scarcity mindset and you could say, Well, I don't I can't afford to join a big mastermind or go on a retreat. That's exactly why you need to, because then that will help you earn, right? It's about making money, not necessarily saving and clinging to whatever you have. But a church or a support group or a meetup or something is typically, you know, there's not a cost. If you want to make a donation, great. But there are all sorts of, you know, available assets out there that you can tap into without making a huge financial commitment.
1: Yeah. And you know what? I will say like every time I have invested in myself, whether, and I'm a huge firm believer in mentors and coaches and sponsors and masterminds and and investing in yourself every single time, You know, my husband was like, you're crazy. I can't believe you're going to spend that much money on that. Every single time it just leveled up my business, my brand, my relationships and proximity is power. You get around the right people and that is how you level up. You get around people who are, you know, success minded and they think bigger. I'll never forget I invested in this business coach, like who was, I, I was like, I need to level up my business. This is the year. And I I had known this person for a long time and I, I decided to invest with them. And I remember him sitting with me. He had the whiteboard out and everything. And he goes, okay, so this next mastermind you're, you're going to do, we'll get to 71 people. I don't know where he got the number 71, but I like that number. And I remember going, 71, what? I was like, no, I, I only have 15 people. That was like the top out, like 15. He's like, and then there's the number 16 and 17. <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, he just put it in a way where I was like, my mind can, I can think bigger. Yes. Right. Just sometimes all we need is for someone to believe in us before we can believe in ourselves. You know, it helps so much when we have somebody that can put that belief in us. Because look, I, I don't think that, that confidence is something that you have and it's just always there. Sometimes it gets knocked right out of me. And it helps when you have somebody come along and they're like, "This okay, I just have to share this with you this morning. So it's scary. Anytime you're doing a big event or anything, it's like exciting and scary. And I was telling one of my friends, I created this group. We call ourselves the Let's See, can you tell I've got the God Squad? I've got the Legendary (laughs) Lady group. I love it. One of the gals in the Legendary Ladies group. And that's one thing I love doing is creating community.
0: Yeah, Um, totally. She
1: texted me and she's like, when is your launch? And she was giving me some advice and she goes, oh, and I know it's going to be great because you're Amberly effing Lago. And I was like, I just started laughing. But man, those are the kind of people I need. Like, you know, when I was like starting to doubt, oh, this is scary to have
0: a friend say, and remember, you know, I mean, right. so, Like, and you are like, I can see that, but I could see how sometimes, you know, it's hard to see that reflection. I call it like the mirror getting foggy. You know, sometimes it'll get a little foggy, and you can't really see the reality of what you offer or who you are anymore. So sometimes friends need to come and just wipe that mirror clean, I so you can really that see. Analogy. Yeah, this is it's in my my book coming out in September. Yes, I can't wait for your book. By the way. Thank you. Oh, my God. And you guys have to buy True Grit and Grace. And I want to hear more about a little bit more about your retreats. So is this going to be something that is, you know, going to be repeated again, if anybody can't couldn't get in for the one that's coming up?
1: Yeah, well, the first we kick off the first event here in Dallas. I'm dying <laughs> right now because I have Bedros Kulian coming he usually wow. charges a, I won't say how much money but a a lot of like ridicu- a lot. Well, he's worth it. Yeah. To come yeah. and speak at an event and can I tell you he I didn't even ask him. He offered to come speak at the mastermind. So I've got him and four amazing ladies, Erica Lippi, Samantha Joy who's a publisher, Melissa Wiggins who's going to talk about motherhood and business. Who else? Oh, Sarah Delane, who's a brand strategist and business strategist. So it's really exciting because it's the first time I've ever held the two day event for people. I mean, we meet on Zoom every first and third, but there's something magical when you can come together in person. Absolutely. And build those relationships. Absolutely. And so yeah. I have to say, you know, the questions that I got asked the most were how did you become a speaker? How did you learn how to be a, become a speaker? And how do you keep getting on all these stages? How did you start your podcast? How did you write your book? How do I publish my book? How did you start your YouTube channel? Like, how do you build your Instagram? Because I literally five years ago
0: had nothing, didn't even own a computer. She did it though. You, yeah, but you, you made that your full-time job. I mean.
1: Well, you know what? I focused on why, why it was important to me you know, and and I, I love it. I love what I do. And now I want to open up my playbook and share everything that I've learned along the way and time collapse things for people. It's what I wish I had when I was starting out as an author and a speaker. I didn't know where to go or what to do. So now I want to just, you know, tell people that, well, this is what you do to optimize and monetize your Instagram. This is what you do to start your podcast. So People don't have to make the same
0: mistakes that I made. But not everybody shares that, Amberly. And this is why you're so great. She's so generous with her time. You guys, when I tell you, like, um, I know it's just going to be a love fest here, but you really are. I feel like there are some people who will kind of help, but not really enough to like really get you going. And in our first chat, we talked about my book coming out and you shared resources that you didn't have to share. You know, you just met me. We have a common friend, Rhea Fry. And, but I feel like some people could go to a mastermind and you'd get, you know, the first half of it, but then you'd need to like opt into something else to like actually get the steps. And I just know that there's no way that would be what you would do there. It's like, here's everything, right? If you showed up and you came here, I'm going to be generous and share it all. And people don't really do that.
1: They, well, you know what? I have the mindset of abundance, I guess is what it's called. That yeah. there, There's you know there's plenty out there for everybody and really we need more women out there making an impact i can't tell you how many times like in 2 weeks i'll be in salt lake city guest speaking at someone else's mastermind and it's all men except for me i'm the token female and i told my husband i was like oh look i'm the the again, I'm the token female at this next event.
0: Well, and you're gorgeous and blonde and incredibly fit. And so it's like, you're the token female, but you also are like the token drop dead gorgeous, female, you know, and so I think too, because I see, you know, if you follow, follow her on Instagram, but I see these big stages you're on and there are there are a lot of men and a lot of times they're hyper masculine men. And in this space too of self transformation, it is very heavily male dominated at the top, at least it is. And so I am with you where I think that there is a a lot of white space because some stat I saw a while ago was like, you know, 92% of self help authors are men, but 86% of the readers are women. Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry, I'm sick of getting all of my insights from somebody who's never walked in my shoes, and just can't have that perspective. It's not that They can't be, you know, offering insights that resonate, but I don't want that to be my sole source.
1: I could not agree more. I am not kidding. And I remember I went to this, I was speaking at this one event, and it was a great event, but it was all about transforming yourself and leveling up. And we, they had a panel, and on the panel, it was all men. And so maybe it was like a little, ballsy of me. <laughs> but I yeah. was like, um, love it. Yeah, your event was amazing. I was like, but, um, maybe on your panel next time you could have some females on your panel since it's all about transformation. And so what they right. did is they just came up with another event and made it uh, just an entire women's event. And I'm like, no, I didn't say just make a whole women's event. Right. I mean, it doesn't have to be exclusive either way. It doesn't have to be exclusive, just kind of add in. Right. And then I can't tell you also, I was offered to go and speak at this one event and it was like an incredible event. There were some huge speakers and they actually told me, well, we have some big speakers and it was all men and some of the speaker, you know, and I've already paid Jesse Itzler and this person a lot of money, mm-hmm. so we can't pay you, but we really want you there. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm not going to leave my family. I, I mean, look, I have I spoke for free for like three years. I booked yeah. myself on flights. I traveled across the country. I paid my dues and I waited out right. like, okay. Miss work, miss my family, you know, not necessarily in that order, but I'm thinking of like money to go do this. And I really wanted to do it because it was a dream of mine to meet Jesse Itzler. But I was like, no, that's not gonna feel right. My gut was saying, no, they're paying other people, but they don't want to pay me. That's just gonna really be hard on my self-worth. Well, let me tell you, I think it's so important that we stick to our guts. I did, I stuck, I stuck to my gut, I listened. And I didn't do it. I'm not gonna say that I didn't have some FOMO watching that event going on. I'm like, (laughs) golly, I wish I was there. Well, like two weeks later, I get a DM on Instagram and it's from Jesse Itzler. And the only reason I really wanted to go is because I love him and I so wanted to meet him.
0: He's great. I get a
1: DM from Jesse Itzler, and he's like, hey. Uh, I really liked your last post. Um, I think you're in Dallas. I see you tag yourself in Dallas. I'm going to be in Dallas if you want to come to this event. And so I'm thinking to myself, okay, I, yeah. I messaged him, yes, I'd love to come and support you. How can I buy a ticket to come hear you speak? And he goes, no, 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 no. I'm not asking you to buy a ticket. I just want to meet you. And I was like dying. I was like, are you kidding <laughs> Yes, canceled out my whole day. I showed up. He was the coolest person, the nicest. Oh my God. I was like, and you know what I thought? Like, here I listened to my gut. I stuck to this. Is not, no, we, we need to get paid. If somebody else is a male and they're getting paid for that event, then us as women, we need to get paid, you know?
0: Right the universe found you another way for you to meet him. And what a better way, right? Because it's not schmoozing and it's not, oh, maybe this person's an opportunist and it's just going to use me for something. It was an authentic, genuine connection versus potentially by proximity, you know, being there and then being the line of people that's, you know, kind of showering him with admiration. Yeah. It just feels like it's more, wow. She's had so many amazing God things happen. And, but I feel like number one, it is being sober. It is having a clear head and allowing you to vibrate higher so that things can find you. But it's also this ability to not give up and dig deep. And I think that it is a, it resonates with me more hearing it from you versus some other people that are out there. So you just have to find your person or group of people that you feel connected to and that you feel like. There's an authentic resonance to what they're going through and what you're going through. But find your support system. And it can be just listening to Amberly's podcast, this podcast. You know, it can be friends in your head, you know, as Wendy Williams used to say. Like, there can be coaches in your head. And then you'll get to a point where you're ready to put down some financial, you know, investment. And then that's when things really start changing. Mm -hmm. So thank you, Amberly. Thank you for sharing your precious time with us today. There thank were so many little nuggets of wisdom. I can't wait to put together the show notes for everybody. But I am so excited. You guys definitely follow Amberly Ligo on Instagram. I think that watching you kind of take on this really male-dominated industry is incredibly expiring, I know, at least for me personally. So thank you.
1: Oh, thank you so much. I just I love getting to talk with you. And again, like I said, I love your show. So it's so such a blessing to get to share with your incredible audience. So thank you. Thank you.